Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we're joined in the studio um, by Jerome Preston Bates, uh, an American theater, film, and television actor, director, and director and playwright, Rome Neal, to talk about the Jimi Hendrix Experiment, um, which is um, being produced by Black Repertory Group Theater in Berkeley, celebrating its 59th season. Oh, my goodness. That's huge. And and this free virtual production is um, going to be aired online uh, in YouTube, and it's free on Saturday, September 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. So good morning, and thank you so much um, for joining us today to talk about this wonderful work uh, celebrating uh, Jimi Hendrix, whom I, I didn't even know that he was a veteran. That he was a what? A veteran. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. He was uh, in the Air Force, uh, 101st uh, Airborne, sure was. Mm-hmm, right, right, yeah. Fort Campbell, Kentucky, somewhere around 1962, was in the mm-hmm. Air Force, jumped out of airplanes, which could attribute to the sounds that Jimi Hendrix created, if you can mm-hmm. remember the sounds. And they were kind of <laughs> astral in their uh, effect, the long winding guitar, the long kind of shrill sounds. So uh, I think he had that to, uh, to play upon and discovering his music. But, yes, he was a veteran at the uh, uh, in, the, in the U.S. Air Force. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Right. Yeah. And and I was just thinking, um, since you all know each other so well, um, uh, Jerome Preston Bates, Mr. Bates, and um, and Rome Neal, um, I was wondering, would you like to introduce each other? Because I was wondering how how you met. Oh, you both okay. had such stellar careers, and you've been doing this work um, as directors, as writers, as actors for a very long time. I mean, you're like a part of the fabric of of, of this this nation's artistic um, tapestry. Well, well, thank uh, you, thank you for that much. Uh, you know, we met uh, years ago. I was directing a. a I was an uh, artistic director of a theater group in Tompkins Park in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. And this young actor came in and he auditioned for one of the plays and lo and behold, it was Jerome Preston Bates. Uh, he went on to do other great things. He, he didn't take the part that I offered him, but uh, he, again, he went on to do other great things and perform with other folks. And then we started um, meeting on the circuit as actors, auditioning and for plays and seeing each other in our own perspective plays that we were performing in or directing. And um, we began a collaboration with the Jimi Hendrix Project when the Theater for the New City, Crystal Fields, was doing a fundraiser for a theater, a new theater on 10th Street. And um, she she asked me to offer a, a production, and I brought in Jerome Preston's based Jimi Hendrix production, which I directed. And um, that's where the whole Jimi world started for me with the Jerome Preston base. But we we went back into in the seventies, yeah, the, the early the mid seventies when we first met, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> wow. That's a great it's analogy 70. on that one. <laughs> it was mm. 79. <laughs> 79. But, that's it. but it's good. I, you know, I came into New York from Knoxville College and the University of Tennessee. I had lived in New York as a, as a kid, and uh, but my mom lived in Newark. And after college, I came into New York and began to try to, uh, you know, do work around New York and Newark and uh, saw um, saw an advertisement in the uh, showbiz magazine about a young man that was uh, 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 directing a play that he wrote called The Party. I believe it was called yeah. The Party. And uh, and I went out to Bed-Stuy. I didn't know where Bed-Stuy was. I took a subway out there and I found the park. And uh, that's how you know we we uh, we initially met. And actually, the, the play was I gotta give it give it to you. The play was Disco is just a fad, but the party lasts forever. <laughs> gotcha. There you go. <laughs> and didn't you didn't you shorten it at one time, uh, Rome, to the party? Uh, no, no, no. no okay, no. no Disco is just know, a fad, people. but the party lasts forever. You're right. I think that alone right there drew me out to Brooklyn to audition for that. <laughs> and, uh, and so really Rome was the first, uh, you know, first uh, uh, director that uh, I auditioned for um, when I got to New York. But uh, and I followed Rome's career over the years and his accomplishments and his audacity and his tenacity and his uh, passion uh, for the art, his passion for people and allowing actors to have a, you know, a, a voice in the theater, his collaboration, obviously, with Miguel Agarin and the New Orleans Sports Cafe and the uh, mm-hmm. Adelco Awards and Grace Jones and uh, and his family, his beautiful family, his wife, Sue, his daughter, who's an Olympic champion. We can go on and on and on about my brother, Ron Neal. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, and we can go on right. and on about Jerome Preston Bates too, you know, who's been on Broadway mm-hmm. uh, numerous times with uh, different productions of August Wilson, um, a production that was uh, spearheaded, another production that was spearheaded by Alicia Keys. Uh, she produced it. What was the name of that production? Stick Fly. Stick Fly. That was on Broadway, and uh, and of course he's uh, he's 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 just he's got this. This um, wonderful, uh, I mean, there's no one who loves Jimi Hendrix or is so enthused by the Jimi Hendrix experience than Jerome Preston Bates that I know. And he's he studied the man. He's been around the man's music. People who's worked with him and performed mm-hmm. with him, and he's talked to them. He's done his research. I mean, he's been all up and down. He actually played Jimi Hendrix in the play that we that he wrote. Uh, back in the seventies, and he was looking like Jimmy, sounding like Jimmy, and he was he was phenomenal, you know. So he is to me, he will always be Jimi Hendrix, no matter how old he gets, because Jimmy gets <laughs> old too. <laughs> well, thank you for that, brother. And I must admit, uh, thank you so much for having us this morning, uh, coming all the way from uh, Manhattan, New York City. Uh, Central mm-hmm. Park West and 108th Street. Beautiful, bright, sunshining day, and I'm just excited that you're giving us the opportunity to lend voice to these projects. Mm. Yes, yes. And, and let's um, give a shout. Let's give a shout out to Mona Scott and her son. Yes, um, certainly. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 
who are spearheading the production of this, and and they saw something. Well, Mona saw something in Jerome when he did a a show for me, um, uh, one of my banana pudding jazz shows. He came on and did some monologues from the play August Wilson's Seven Guitars, and Mona was struck by his presentation, and that started this whole Jimmy Hendrix um, project, which is a it's a a trilogy that we'll be doing at the for the Black Black um, Repertory Group, or he'll be doing for the Black Repertory Group for uh, for the, this um, this right into the winter, right, Jerome? Yes, about yes, that. yes, it is. It's a yeah three three uh, um, three play trilogy, and once again, yes, a shout out to Dr. Uh, uh, Mona Scott and and her son uh, Sean Vaughn Scott. Uh, for giving me this opportunity, this platform to present these plays. Uh, these plays at one time that I had thrown under the bed and went on to do other things, and people kept saying, well, whatever happened to your Jimi Hendrix plays, man? You're the only one who was doing the Jimi Hendrix on stage and whatever happened. And uh, so uh, by the grace of God, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, those dreams and aspirations for tell this brother's story um, has had another breath of life, and so we're grateful uh, for Dr. Scott and uh, the Berkeley uh, Black Repertory Theater. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I was wondering, sort of, um, and also I want um, to give you also space and time to to talk about the anniversary of September. Um, 11th, which I didn't realize until, like, it's been 20 years, and, and you mm-hmm. are there, as well as mm-hmm. Hurricane mm-hmm. Ida, you know, just swept mm-hmm. through, you know, mm-hmm. your town. Mm-hmm. And I'm from New Orleans, and the mm-hmm. water really hit you all. I mean, like, flooding and drowning and everything. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, whoa, it's absolutely crazy. Mhm. Well, you know, September yeah. 11th, I was in uh I was in San Francisco. I had uh, you were. flown out to San Yeah, I was in San Francisco to do a job. And mm-hmm. I had flown out to San Francisco the Thursday before the Tuesday. Uh flown out to that beautiful city and what we had to do was kind of a pharmaceutical industrial. They had the script and everything. They let us roam San Francisco for a while and uh and then we came came back to re- rehearse on Sunday. And, mon- uh, and and we opened up the show Monday and Tuesday it happened. Um, so I was there and on one of those uh, thousands of people trying to make their way back home since the planes were down, the transportation was down, the buses, the trailways, the, the Greyhounds, the Amtrak, mm. everything was down. So you was trying to get back home. The company that I uh, worked for uh, chartered a plane to Chicago and chartered three buses uh, through different areas of the United States, and I took a bus from San Francisco down to Atlanta, stayed with uh, one of my college fraternity brothers in Atlanta, and I took a train back up to New York. It took me about a week to travel um, to get back home, but I was in San Francisco when that happened. Um, I remember the the Bay Bridge was closed, and we thought the, uh, the Golden Gate Get Bridge would be closed. It was closed for a while, and then they opened it back up. Because that third plane was headed to San Francisco, but the people on the plane downed the plane, and it, it landed in uh, Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, San Francisco was locked down for a minute, but it opened back up. And then that day, I remember going out to Marin County Community College, uh, and uh, a good buddy of mine, um, 
was directing Raising in the Sun out there. And uh, that's how I spent my uh, my day. And on the phone, and we didn't, have, we didn't have cell phones at that time, but on the mm-hmm. phone, on the pay phone, talking to my wife, uh, letting her know that, you know, we're going to try I'm trying to get up in there as soon as I get some transportation out of uh, San Francisco. And Hurricane Ida, you know, it came and hit, and uh, for New York City, um, mostly the subways were just out of control, rushing, flooding water. Some air, so, some pockets of obviously Manhattan was flooded, but mostly the surrounding areas, the counties, the Jerseys, the Connecticut's got the most because they're in those kind of low altitude areas, I guess. And uh, but uh, it was a, uh, it, it, it was a, uh, it, it it hit. It was uh, astronomical in terms of you know the kind of damage it did in terms of water. Wow. That's so true. Um, I, I, I was, um, I don't know, I, I was doing a, a show that uh, that day, uh, my 18th anniversary of Banana Pudding Jazz, and uh, people were saying uh, you need to. That was that. What was that? That was that Sunday. Um, whatever day it was, uh, they told told what? me to, to to not do the. Sh- was it what? No, we have two. Flood was on Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday. What Wednesday. was what was before that? It was something. It was mm-hmm. another hurricane. Huh? Oh. oh, it was a, a small. How many times? Oh yeah, they had predicted one would come through here based on I think Hurricane Grace or something like that, but it didn't quite do the damage that they thought. Right, that's the one. I mean, yeah. it didn't do it as much because uh, I was doing. I you know. People predict things, and and uh, they just want to close everything down. People were canceling shows, left and right. I had a, the opportunity to to um, go into the New York Poets Cafe where I do my banana pudding jazz series, and I hadn't done it for about a year and a half. And this was the 18th anniversary of that, and uh, I actually did the show that night, and it was fantastic. Uh, the band came out. About 25 folks came out, and they enjoyed a truly spiritual evening of coming together uh, for some great jazz and to celebrate the 18th anniversary of Romeo's Banana Pudding Jazz at the New York Weekend Poets Cafe. Uh, Ida, yes, yes, we had here in Brooklyn, we were okay. I mean, no flooding in, in my area, and um we were some very on the safe side of things. I, I saw in the subways and that were flooded and and uh, other places throughout the the, the um, tri-state area. But um, here in Brooklyn, we were pretty much okay. Um, but you know, it's nothing like New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, I really feel for those folks. And um, when when it hits you, you realize that. This thing can really come close to home or be in your own backyard also. So when prayers, when when people ask for prayers, it's it's truly a, a wonderful thing to just get down on your knees and pray for them and pray that it doesn't happen for you also. Amen. 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 Yes, yes. Yes, in a, in an area like New York where, you know, you don't anticipate that, I think in one hour, 
on Wednesday, that Wednesday, um, it rained. Uh, they accumulated more rain in New York than ever in that That's one right. hour. Yeah. And you're right, Rome. Your event that time was on the uh, about a week before, and people yeah. were predicting so much. But uh, your faithfuls came out, and you still had a, a beautiful celebration. And then the next week, it really hit hard. Um, you know. Do you remember, Rome, that? that yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, well, I, it's going to be a little bit off the subject, but I'm saying, do you remember also in 1985, we had that little mini hurric- uh, earthquake? You remember in New York was it was a bit of a tremble, like a little earthquake in '85. That remember, that's off the subject and maybe going back a little too far. But we, I, I'm thinking about things that you don't expect to happen, like the, the the you know the audacity of hurricanes and and tornadoes. And then in '85, uh, New York had a little shakeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little tremble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I I was telling my wife, you know. I said, well, we better get us a generator. Oh, she said, no, you don't need a generator. This is New York. We we won't lose this. I said, no, you don't know. You really don't know. You know, you got yeah, you don't know. anything can happen yeah. any t- at any time. You know, so at that blackout. Be prepared. In, uh, that blackout in the early two thousands, I think. That blackout. Remember, the city oh, blacked was, out for about a couple of days. <laughs> that was uh, two thousand. That was yeah. Ooh. That was before 2000. I know. I was well, there was one in the 70s, it was 77, and then there was one in maybe late 90s or 2000. I think it was around 2000 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. <laughs> well, let's so, talk about this show that we're doing. Also, you know, that's that's all well and great, <laughs> you know. But, but uh, <laughs> well, well, what's great is that you survived it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we survived it. Amen. September yeah, yeah, 18th, yeah. we will be up with. Uh, the Jimi Hen- Hendrick experiment at uh, online. You can go to you can go to Rome, you can go to my website romeneal dot com and and get information about it there. You can go to uh, Rome Neal's Banana Putting Jazz um, YouTube and click it and and go to the show also. And it'll be up on the uh, website for um, Black Repertory Group also. But um, go to to be direct right now because you have listeners and and just go to romneal.com and that website and you can click it and go straight to the show itself. Um, it'll tell you what time it's going to start and uh, and give you, give you a reminder about when it's going to start also. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. YouTube is the best one to go to for this show because you can mm-hmm. as Jerome is delivering this powerful uh, story about Jimmy, you can make comments on the side and things like that. And then on top of that, we have a, 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 a we call it a, a talk back with some fabulous people who played with Jimmy and um, performed with him and know him and loved him over the years. And Jerome, like I said, Jerome has done his research with, and reached out to these folks. And we have about six of them that are going to come on after the, the uh, presentation and talk about Jimmy also. So it's going to be a magnificent um, day. And that is the day that Jimmy um, left this, this earth, this earthly planet, you know, um, 
and went on to his heavenly high, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, um, Jerome, if you you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix and and why you wanted to, um, you know, to write and initially star in uh, a real wonderful, you know, salute to his life and artistry. I was thinking about, you know, the uh, the blues guitarist uh, Floyd Barton in Seven Guitars by August Wilson, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, a role that... (laughs) You create it, and and what is it about these the guitar? You know the instrument. Like, do you play it like for real? <laughs> and 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 I was reading, you know, that you're a southerner. I mean, you were born um, in yeah, Augusta, Augusta, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you know your family did that great migration thing a little later than the big mm-hmm. one, but you know, mm-hmm. but you still migrated, you know, mm-hmm. um, north to mm-hmm. you know New York. Mm-hmm. You know, with, Mm-hmm. And has its own, you know, sort of creation story around black art and culture that goes mm-hmm. way back. So you're yeah, like yeah. tagging on to some real wonderful history. But Augusta, you know, Georgia, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like the ground, you know, it's like the heart. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They're trying to get the Rhythm and Blues Rock and Roll uh, a museum there. They're, they're trying to get it there because of James Brown's affiliation. You know, with, mm-hmm. uh, with Augusta obviously uh, being raised in Augusta and put Augusta almost on the map. Uh, Jesse Norman also is from Augusta, the famous opera singer. And also mm-hmm. Sharon Jones, uh, the uh, rhythm and blues singer who recently passed. But, yeah, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I was born in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, we traveled around quite a bit uh, before I was five years old. We went to Columbus, Ohio, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Got to New York when I was about uh, uh, five or six years old. But mm-hmm. in terms of Jimi Hendrix, and I'll segue it back to the guitar and everything, I'll, I'll start out with this. I, I do have another play called Augusta Brown, interestingly enough, and it's about a blind blues guitar player, a blues mm-hmm. guitar player that quits the blues and becomes a full-time pastor. So then the conflict comes between, uh, you know, um, his brother who's trying to destroy his life and his wife is just trying to figure out, how did I get into this world? I thought you were a blues player. Now you're a pastor. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, the thing with Jimi Hendrix, uh, born November 27, 1942, in Seattle, Washington, um, you know, um, spent some time in Berkeley as a kid um, and then went back to Seattle. Um, the thing about Jimi Hendrix, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I didn't know much about him. I was into around that age uh, when I discovered Jimi Hendrix or heard his name. I was about thirteen, fourteen. I was into the Jackson Five and James Brown and Motown and Aretha Franklin. You know, I wasn't digging on a Jimi Hendrix, and I kept hearing about a Jimi Hendrix or Jimi Hendrix. And then I remember he was on Tonight Show. Flip Wilson was the um, uh, had taken over for Johnny Carson that night, and Jimi Hendrix came on. I kind of looked at it and I was okay. And I remember the next morning I went to a church picnic and I was sitting uh, by myself in a bus and two young ladies, about they were about maybe a little older than me, they were maybe 16, 17, they were like, did you hear Jimi Hendrix last night? Did you hear Jimi Hendrix? And I was like, I saw that guy, Jimi Hendrix. But he never did, you know, make any kind of impression on me. Um, I remember we were living in Atlanta. They had the Atlanta Pop Festival and he was the number one act to come to the Pop Festival. And um, I remember he, and then, um, and all of a sudden he died. And I remember walking through Atlanta down on uh, 8th Street by Piedmont Park where the hippies used to be at because I used to work out in the uh, um, um, the areas where the whites were. I used to do yard work. 
And um, and I saw a big sign across the street saying, Jimi Hendrix dead. I said, oh, that brother died. And then somehow, oh, I know what happened. I was in Augusta, Georgia. My little my high school girlfriend and her sister's boyfriend came from the Navy with all of these albums, you know, and that, in those days there were albums. He had Marvin Gaye and Ike and Tina Turner, and he had Aretha Franklin, and he had Sly and the Family Stone, and then he had Jimi Hendrix, Band of Gypsies. And I was like, wow. And I said, this guy, uh, put the music on. I put the music on. And see, I started with Jimi Hendrix in the funky era of Jimi Hendrix. When, when he my, I started with Band of Gypsies. So that was his last album with two brothers playing, uh, Buddy Miles and Billy Cox. Buddy Miles on bass and Billy Cox. And I just thought that was the most phenomenal sound. I could not get over it. And I wanted more and more and more of him. And eventually, as I began to grow in Jimi, into Jimi Hendrix sound and go to college and wanted to hear his, more of his music and started with the other parts of the music, I just began to realize what an incredible artist he was. I mean, I was drawn to it. And then they had a film that came out in 1970, uh, uh, around his death, 1973, I think, called a film about Jimi Hendrix. And when I saw him... I remember I had to go to New York. I came home for Christmas, and I went over to New York to see it at a theater called the Translux on 50th Street and Broadway. It's not there anymore. Um, it's a Holiday Inn hotel now. But um, and uh, and I saw him, and I thought he was the most incredible performer I've ever seen. I haven't seen anything like that since James Brown at the Tammy Show in 1963, where James Brown slides across the floor. You just can't believe it. And I thought, wow, he was he was so invested in his art, uh, uh, you know, with his sounds. It seems like the, the guitar was another part of his arm. And uh, and he was just incredible. And I just started going to want to know more about Jimi Hendrix. And what I discovered was this big, big, loud, big Afro guy, um, you know, these colorful clothing, was really just a quiet, humble, nice guy who had a gift, who wanted to present it to the world, who went out there, who hustled, who played with Ike and Tina Turner, who played with Little Richard, who played in, in the back of the Isley Brothers, who played with Sam Cooke, who played behind James Brown, who played behind uh, Ronnie Spector and the Ronettes. He was doing all this background stuff until he got discovered in New York. But he was just this young, ambitious guy who just wanted to play music and I always say that the... um. Uh, an image was created, took him to London to become Jimi Hendrix. He stepped into the image to become Jimi Hendrix, but the image became bigger than the man, and the image took him out because of the temptations of that lifestyle, pretty much took him out. And uh, there are some other theories that I won't really introduce now, but people begin to think that not only that it was an accidental death, but it was another deliberate death. But anyway, he... um, but I, 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 I was drawn by his spirit. I was drawn by his uh, audacity. And I was drawn by the, 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 the complex of personality of what they created as Jimi Hendrix and who he really was. And I thought that was fascinating. And I began to research and I began to, you know, to meet people um, that was in his life. And his, the woman that was with him the day he died, I got letters from her and another woman who just died when he was in uh, Harlem in the early years. Fane Pregnant used to talk to Fane. I met Jimmy's dad. I met his family and things like that. I just kept researching. I met. I played with Buddy Miles in Norr Redding and Amsterdam, Harlem, 
And uh, and uh, and one day I said, God, this should be a movie about him. And I said, there should be a play or something, man. Somebody write a play or movie. I can do that role, you know. And uh, I guess like Langston Hughes said uh, uh, in, in one of his poems, he said, I, I, I guess it will be me. Yes, it will be me. So I uh, – um, um, so, uh, you know, I, um, I begin to write, I begin to write and, uh, and by the grace of God, you know, the August Wilson play of seven guitars popped up and it was like, <laughs> I was so into guitar, like you said, and guitar music and because of Jimi Hendrix and, uh, I, I auditioned, uh, for August Wilson's play. Um, I didn't believe I would get it. I thought I was hoping I would get it, but I felt like it was a long shot. I was going to Baltimore anyway to see two trains running, another August Wilson play. And when I got back to Chicago, I got uh, I, I got eventually seven messages, and the last message said, Jerome, you got to be in Chicago tomorrow. When I got back to New York, uh, my agent said, Jerome, you got to be in uh, you know in Chicago tomorrow. And you know, and be and be presented in August Wilson's play. I thought that was incredible. Got on the plane. I was there. They took me straight to the theater where they were waiting for me. And there was uh, Michelle Shea and Rosalind Coleman, Albert Hall, Ruben Santiago Hudson, Tommy Hollis, and Viola Davis, and August Wilson, and the director who was mm-hmm. taking over for Lord Richards because Lord had to go and have a, uh, a procedure, an aneurysm, and um, Walter Dallas directed the world premiere of Seven Guitars in uh, Chicago in 1994. But that fascinated me about Jimi Hendrix. No, I'm not a guitar player. I should spank my hand because I should be able to play the guitar with my toes as long as I've been studying the guitar and Jimi Hendrix music. I do play a little guitar, a little blues, but, uh, I mean, um, I, 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 I never picked it up to the to the level of the capacity. And my, my stories always have been about Jimi Hendrix, the man, and who just happened to be a, a guitar player, an incredible mm. guitar player. Yeah. So um, that's pretty much, uh, you know, kind of like in a nutshell, uh, you know. Um, I know we are we don't have a lot of time on this program, so I made it very condensed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Um... Well, you're my my only live guest this morning, so you know okay. you can stretch out. I mean, if you want to go and keep on going, I, I oh, have time. Okay. <laughs> well, any anything anything else specifically you want to know about the, that that young brother? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, I was really intrigued. Um, it's been a minute since I um, I don't know. I think I saw that movie um, about him. But what one thing is that um, people. They had this this person that they thought they created, and then there was the person, like the man, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. you know, and 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 what he wanted to do with his work, and what the people wanted, like he wanted to mm-hmm. to, to explore different types of music, and mm-hmm. the public, they wanted what they wanted, and it was mm-hmm. like the tension there was was it looked frustrating. It's like, well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you say you love me, but then you don't love me because. I have to stay in this particular box that you've erected for Jimi Hendrix um, mm-hmm. that I'm ready to bust out of. Um, mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. so, yeah, I was just wondering if you could talk about, you know, um, 
you know, as you talk about him, you could talk about yourself because you are an artist, artist. I mean, like, did you know, you know, when you were six or younger than that? Yeah, I think I want a career on stage, mom, dad. <laughs> and, and you know, and they help facilitate that because, you know, obviously comparing, you know, the way your life has rolled out, you've had much more of it, obviously, than Jimi Hendrix because he died tragically very, yeah. very young. Um, very young. But, you know, you were yeah. able to sort of explore a lot of different, like you weren't stuck. Like your life, you've been able to like do a lot as an artist, whereas mm-hmm. he wasn't able to do what he. My goodness, could you imagine if he was still around now and and he mm-hmm. was his own person? I mean, he was also young, and and malleable. I mean, you know, he had people around him that didn't really love him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the typical story. You know, we think about people that like. Mm-hmm. It's like you know we think about my. Uh, we think I think thinking about Tupac right now. You know mm-hmm. how you know. He, about the work, and then he had mm-hmm. all these leeches around him that well, were about you know, the same and fortune. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't it phenomenal when 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 people find that gift at that particular time, and unfortunately they they're, they're taking away from us uh, too mm-hmm. soon. I don't know if that's ordained calling by God, but what I do know is that they have been able to uh, find out what they were um, uh, supposed to do on this world. In this world, you know, they say they say that there's two important dates in your life: the day you was mm-hmm. born and the day you discovered why you was born. I was fortunate enough to be in a theater company with Tupac uh, when he was six years old at with Ernie McClintock in Harlem mm-hmm. and uh, with The Raisin in the Sun, and he played mm-hmm. Travis Tupac. And I just knew him as a little kid that was around. His mom you would bring him to, to rehearsal and stuff like that. And actually, um, Ernie had asked me to be Walter Lee, and uh, I, I, I didn't want to do it because I was doing another play, Equus. So I didn't get a chance to perform with Tupac, but there he was. Mm-hmm. And so Tupac was able to, you know, do uh, what he was doing. He was on his way, probably had not created his greatest work, but had created some great work. Uh, Jimi Hendrix obviously was able to get in a pocket of work, um, never, not necessarily his great work, his greatest work, but some great work. And still they consider him as the number one guitar player that ever lived. A uh, good buddy of mine who I work with, Chad with Bozeman, the Black Panther, um, a wonderful mm-hmm. kid that I worked with out of uh, Howard University when he came, played his father in two plays, uh, did three, uh, five productions in, in total with him, was able to do what he did, exceptional, phenomenal work, um, you know, even as recently as Michael Williams, who uh, unfortunately died um, last week from The Wire and Lovecraft Country and so many um, Broadway empire, um, was able to have that um, – have that that uh, that 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 big bit of work, you know. I think unfortunately some choices take us out uh, sooner than we should, um, you know. And then and in some cases, uh, people are able to live and present their gifts and then move in other stages of their life. Uh, Denzel Washington is a, a great example who I met when he right before he. I met him when he was doing Chickens Come Home to Roost in New York and sat down with him at a, uh, what they call a cast party after a guy by the name of Kirk Kirksey had a cast party who played Elijah Muhammad. And I said, hey, man, I saw you in that play, 
and now you were just phenomenal. What you're going to do next? And you begin to tell me, he told me who he studied with. But the thing about it is that um, what I'm saying is Denzel had a lot of great um, roles and destination in terms of what uh, he was given and, and, and you know, and, and, and what he was uh, rightfully due because of his work ethic. And uh, but who has lived to also um, do incredible work and inspire so many people. And he always says now, he says, I'm in the service business now. I'm in the service. I'm about serving people and helping people now. You know, I just happen to do movies. <laughs> but, 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 but you know, yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just in, in, incredible uh, in terms of, you know, Jimmy's trajectory and what he was able to do. I've had some friends who said, uh, you know, I, I thought they were, he said, I, I think I'm better than Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, yeah, you, how are you going to be better than Jimi Hendrix? You've had, you're 60-something years old, and you have all this time to develop what this guy started. And now all of a sudden you're going to say you're better? You've had, you've had, you've had 55 years to, 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 to do it. This kid died when he was 27, you know, he, when he was 27. So how can you compare yourself with him? So, but. You know, um, I think the thing about Jimi Hendrix, um, these stories, uh, I guess, have to be told. I, I, you know, somebody told me the other day, man, you kind of called to tell the story. I said, I, I didn't look at it like that, but um, I do know that Jimi Hendrix was trying to transition from the rock and roll that he, they they that they kept, they put him into, and he could play that. So he said, I'll play that too. His influences were in some rock, but mostly blues. And he began in the last two years of his life to go towards what he was called the Sky Church music. Mm. And uh, he was doing music that fulfilled the soul, music that uh, inspired the mind, music that told of destiny and, 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 and having God by your side, and that you had angels that were pre- you know, per, you know, were that were guiding you. So that's why a lot of his music towards the end was about an angel or a little wing or hey baby, somebody that's leading him towards um, a new and a better life. And uh, he was very invested in doing music that would uh, bless the spirits and the hearts of people. Of course, his manager like, no man, look, we you know, rock and roll. You're Jimi Hendrix. You know, people are going to want more Purple Haze. They're going to want want more Foxy Lady. They're going to want more cross-town traffic, you know. They're going to want more fire from you. But he was moving, you know, more towards uh, 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 more for that period of his life, uh, music with more positive and spiritual messages. And there were people in jazz who was trying to collaborate with him, Miles Davis and the Brecker Brothers and a few other uh, people in there, uh, people in the uh, orchestration music in, in terms of um uh, orchestra music, and he was interested in doing soundtracks for films. He was beginning to write a, a, a screenplay called Black, I think it was Black Gold, about a, um, I think, uh, uh, about a man and a woman who had this incredible gift, and, you know, Jimmy was he was putting down the music for that. So um, uh, the great capacity to do so many wonderful things, uh, but unfortunately, um, um, you know, it it took him out, you know. It's, it's you amazing. know, it's, it's it's interesting how you tell the story. You talk to us about Jimmy, and I'm just looking at you as the director of 
of the Jimi Hendrix experiment. I'm looking, listening to you, and I'm saying, "Dang, this this cat is is telling the story, and it's truly a, a, a theatrical piece that you just presented to us on the radio already." <laughs> you know, it's really, mm. you really enthuse. I'm myself. I'm sure the listeners with this with the story of of Jimmy, and um, they can only begin to realize what this this play is going to be about when they hear it from your mm-hmm. words on the 18th of September mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube because um, you bring you bring the theatrics you're going you're going to bring the theatrics to it also so it's going to be a magnificent presentation Jerome and uh, mm-hmm. I'm just again just listening to this this interview is just opened I'm just you know you went on for about a half an hour already just talking about <laughs> uh, Jimmy and, and and what what you feel about him you know so. All that's in the play and more. So uh, it's going to be extraordinary. So folks, tune in and catch us on September 18th, 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, go to romeneal.com, the website, R-O-M-E-N-E-A-L.com, and you'll see the, the, the flyer, the poster, just click it, and you can go to the YouTube channel and see this fantastic presentation dedicated to the memory and the times of Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And I also want to mention that um, that is linked here in the description for this, t- for this program today. So just click Great. on click on it, and you can go there as well. Um uh, you mentioned Sky Church, and um, I wanted to ask you um, to talk a little bit more about that and, and what music uh, came out of that particular period. And um, and then, Rome, I wanted to ask you um, sort of, you know, how does one, you know, direct such a work? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Sky Church, Sky Church music. Um, he, he, uh, you know, uh, he mentioned it. Sky Church music. Interesting. He mentioned Sky Church music because obviously I said a lot of his sounds came out of him jumping out of the sky, right, and jumping mm-hmm. out of a plane and, and hearing some of those mm-hmm. sounds. Um, yeah. But he, I think he equated also Sky Church. He, he equated sky with heaven, the sky with peace. Probably some of the greatest tranquility you can get if you are so many, 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 many miles above the earth, where it's rather quiet and peaceful, and and what we may we always feel as getting close to heaven. But um, his sky church music, um, he wanted to put people in the sanctuary of uh, blessed um, um, peace, uh, blessed inspiration, uh, blessed restoration. Uh, blessed insp- uh, in, in, in invigoration uh, of, 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 of new ways to think, uh, new ways to begin to um, present oneself, uh, aspiring to a higher power. Or he may not define it uh, definitively, um, but he, but in some ways it does show up in his music. Um, uh, one song called "Angel." Angel came down from heaven yesterday. She came just long enough to rescue me, and she told me a story yesterday about the sweet love between the moon and the deep blue sea. 
And then she spread her wings high over me, and she said, hurry up, I'll come back tomorrow. He also had a song called, Well, She's Walking, Little Wing, Through the Clouds, with a circus smile that's running wild. Butterflies and zebras and moonbeams and fairy tales, that's all she ever thinks about. She's riding with the wind. He had another one called, Hey Baby, Hey Baby, Where You Come From? Well, she looked at me and smiled and said, I come from the land of the new rising sun. And I said, hey, baby, where are you trying to go to? She said, I want to spread around a peace of mind and a whole lot of love to you and you. And would you like to come along? So I think he was a kind of a Pied Piper of that time for peace, a Pied Piper uh, for uh, spiritual growth, a Pied Piper for um, even discovering the gift that's in you. Um, You know, um, I, I must quote from the Bible as it says, uh, your gift will make room for you. But truly, uh, Jimi Hendrix's gift made room for him, and maybe his uh, interpretation uh, 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 of that and his art uh, began to speak to people in their minds that uh, that their gift would make room for them. I recently, yesterday, looked online, and they have this Jimi Hendrix festival in um, some parts, I think, of, of Europe. And it's amazing because they're playing Hey Joe and there's thousands of people who have come to this part of Europe just to play Hey Joe. They got guitars and ukuleles Mm. and acoustic guitars and they got electric guitars and they got violins and there are thousands of people and they got these uh, shots from airplanes where they descend down on all these all this magnificent uh, European architecture of these buildings that have been up for thousands and thousands of years, but they're zooming in on the crowd, and the crowd is playing Hey Joe. And so I think that, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix's music, you know, had inspired, you know, inspired that, um, you know, and in, 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 in inspired so many people in so many ways. Um, you know, um, you know, he, you know, so I, I think his music, you, you have to listen, you, you know, you have to get to the music when you really want to understand him, because if you try to really understand it in terms of, uh, of his lifestyle or anything like that or anything, you, you know, you may be turned away, but the music speaks more than anything and the words are just incredible. He began to say words, you know, he's a... He said something like, uh, you know, there's got to be some changes. This is an earth blues. There's got to be a whole lot of rearranging. We better hope love is the answer. We better hope it comes before the summer, you know. So we got to tell the children the truth. They don't need a whole lot of lies because one of these days they'll be running things. So when you give them love, you better give it right. Keep on straight ahead. You know, so he was, he was saying some things uh, that a lot of people didn't get a chance to hear. Because they maybe turned away, because oh, he's just a rock and roll singer, you know. Um, and but you know, he that was that was a sky church that was coming towards the end. Those are the lyrics uh, towards the last two years of his life. And uh, there, there's just so many, you know. And um, and and uh, as I maybe segue into Rome is, uh, you know, Rome, you know, um, directed me back in the day, um, in the nineties uh, on on the Jimi Hendrix plays that I was. Uh, I had written. I had written a play called Jimmy's Slight Return, and uh, and so it's just amazing that we would come back. I, I almost can't even ma- imagine anyone else than Rome actually to um, 
to be in this stage of this development of this, this play um, because uh, he was at the he was on the ground floor, you know, when I was first um, introducing Jimi Hendrix. Hmm. But Ron, wow. I think she yes, you. Yeah, you know, in directing a, a, a one-man show, yeah, I've directed like I think about four shows. One was a show called Shenanigans. Um, mother and daughter relationship and family and Nat King Cole's story, the Jack Johnson story and of course Thelonious Monk along with Lawrence Holder I directed that piece and you know what you have to do is just give the the artist usually the, the artist who's performing the one man per, one person piece is the uh, the writer of it so you give them their vision and go along with them and just be able to just smooth things out for them, you know, make things easy for them, um, give them suggestions on on certain feelings and certain beats with their delivery of their performance and making sure the staging is, is perfect for them, making sure everything is right for that, that performer to go on and, and tell their story and give their um, unique uh, concept of who these actually um, historic characters or historic people were and how to make them human, you know, uh, make them real people also, not just icons. So that's what um, directing for this piece is all about and directing other pieces, one-person pieces that I've done. It seems like I, after I did the production of Monk about Thelonious, and people kept coming to me about direct this one person show, direct this one person show. I didn't want to do it, but um, I find that there's a, a magic to doing that, working one on one with with the actor writer and just developing and and growing along with the piece that they wrote. Mm, that answers. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, wonder, wonder, wonder. Hello, wonder. Yeah. I just want to, you know, I saw where you wrote that. You saw my one-man show, Monk, in there Dakar. in California and in Dakar, <laughs> West Africa. Yes, yes I did. That's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, That's and then the I watched it. Um, yeah, and I watched it, um, I think it was last year, um, and it's reprise uh, in YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I just thought yeah, you were the, just uh, like channeling love. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think the YouTube um, presentation of, again giving credit to Black Repertory Group, uh, Mona Scott and Sean Scott for producing that particular um, birthday celebration of Thelonious Monk last year. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's, that's a play amazing. that we've been doing for. That's the play I've been doing Monk for like twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, how you know what brings one to do a piece about uh, a, a, an icon or like like um, Jimi Hendrix or Thelonious Monk? And I think, like myself, Jerome, it's like I didn't choose to do Thelonious Monk. Thelonious Monk chose me to do him. Mm-hmm. Came along and said, "Well, this guy here looks a little bit like me." He's country like me, and uh, and he can bring he, he can bring he can tell me he's a good actor too. He can tell my story. So Jimmy mm. just picked him up and said, "Hey, I got him." 
Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what Thelonious did for me. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, I I think you know I agree with you one hundred percent, Rome. And I think one of the things that comes out of the Jimi Hendrix story that comes through anybody's story and even in life, you know, the Word of God says, um, um, "I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers." And I think we all deal with good and evil. And Jimi Hendrix sang in the song, Electric Lady Land. Have you ever been, have you ever been to Electric Lady Land, a magic carpet place for you, so don't you be late. I want to show you the different emotions. I want to ride through love and devotion. Electric woman waits for you and me. So it's time to take a ride. We can cast all our worries aside. He even says, good and evil lays side by side while electric love penetrates the sky. I think Mm. every man, every woman deals with good and evil. One area of the um, life that is propelling them to good, to what God ordains for them, and one area is is preparing them for destruction for what Mm. that part of the mind wants to take away from them. You know, and our choices uh, in life uh, begins to navigate how we get closer to what God wants for us. And I think when Jimmy says, "Good and evil, good and evil lay side by side, while electric love penetrates the sky," I guess maybe mm-hmm. he was saying in that song is that it's an even plane. But I know even you know the Word of God says you know that the devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, destroy your prosperity, destroy your life, destroy your gifts, destroy the purpose of your life, and uh, and 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 so you know each man and woman deals with that. And I think the Jimi Hendrix story uh, uh, allows us to see uh, a rather young, you know, ambitious, rather quiet. A kid that had to deal with the temptations of what he wanted. You know, sometimes we have to be careful with what we ask for because mm. it may not necessarily give us the audience uh, that we thought. You know, when the temptations come, you know, uh, you know it comes and it, it comes back to rob you, comes back to destroy you, comes back to take you. And in some cases, it's temptations. And in some cases, you know, the Lord knows the day you were born, and he knows the day that you're going to die. And what mm. we do what we do in between that is how we can get closer to him. And so, uh, but um, that's another part of the, you know, the electric church message that came out of music uh, towards the latter end of his life. And, of course, the, do, the, the deal with the latter end of his life um, um, you have to begin to deal with the beginning. So I start from the beginning of his life, his mom, his dad, and everything, and uh, to to his time in Nashville, his time in the United States Air Force, to his time in New York, to the village, to going to London. And then I stopped it at Monterey, Monterey, California Festival. And I stopped it because I said, look, <laughs> you know, you got to tell the story, but how can you really tell the whole story in the time that you want to tell it? So actually, mm-hmm. there's a part two to this. I didn't realize that the last night. I was like, but dude, you got a part two. Because sure, yeah. up until the time that you that he becomes this star, but you don't tell, but you don't tell everything that broke that star down uh, mm. to the last day of his life, you know. And there was a lot of stuff that he had to deal with after signing that contract to be um, that Jimi Hendrix character. 
Um, a lot of it he loved and embraced, but a lot of it that was just overwhelming um, in terms of his schedule, where his money was being invested. Um, you know, in a sense, kind of like you know, I hate to say it, but kind of being pimped to 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 push out so much, but yet was giving so little. But then you, there you go, um, to to have such a um, to have such a um, impact on so many lives. You know, in terms of uh, his music more than anything, and his music in a positive way more than anything. Listen, I would like to uh, share with your audience that also, given honor to the founder of the New Eureka Poets Cafe, Miguel Algarine, tomorrow, September 11th, though tragic day it was, it was the day that Miguel was born. He would have been 80 years old then. Uh, and I'm doing a very special presentation at the New Yorkian, right outdoors in front of the New Yorkian Post Cafe, entitled In the Words of Miguel Angolin, and um, in which friends of his who are poets, award-winning actors, writers, politicians, uh, um, his and one of them is his his his, uh, his nephew, who's a, a, a civic court judge. They're going to all be reading his poetry. That's Johnny mm-hmm. Algarine. They're going to all be reading his poetry, and he's written like award American Book Award winning uh, poems that were presented to him by Ishmael Reed and the uh, Before Columbus Foundation. And one of the awards was the Lifetime Achievement Award they presented to him at the New York Poets Cafe. So we're going to celebrate Miguel Algarin uh, tomorrow, 3 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, would that that be about 12 o'clock Pacific Time? So tune in, folks, and, and check out this fantastic afternoon of some of Miguel's fabulous words from these four of his poetry books that have been read by some of the greatest artists in New York that ever existed, really. these And most of them came through the New York Poets, came up through the New York Poets Cafe. Uh, you can go to it by going to uh, org. That's N-U-Y-O-R-I-C-A-N dot org. That's New Eurekan, N-U-Y-O-R-I-C-A-N dot org. And tune in for this this Saturday for an event of events as we celebrate the founder of the New Eurekan Poets Cafe, gifted award-winning writer, Miguel Algarin. Mm. Amen. Amen. It's Such interesting that we we celebrate his life um, on on the 11th and on the 18th we celebrate Jimmy who actually died on the 18, 18th of um, of September. Miguel mm-hmm. 11th, Jimmy mm-hmm. 18th, and the next mm-hmm. week the 25th is my birthday. <laughs> So I'm oh wow! Happy birthday! Yeah, all in the so pocket. We, yeah. So yeah, Miguel uh, was such an incredible um, 
such an incredible artist, just the, the little time and the little that I knew about him, but having the time to walk into the New Orleans Cafe and that he there he would, would be at the, mostly at the end of the bar, maybe if he wasn't near the door, but mostly at the end of the bar. bar. And uh, it's such an incredible spot that he created and, and, and what Rome had breathed into it also in terms of what Rome um, brought to it is is such a is such a magical spot. I just hope that it I hope that it lasts forever, and it's well, such it's an incredible really, you know. I, I always say that Miguel was my partner in the crime of passion we call theater. Yeah. We um, received so many awards. We received over thirty Adelco awards for our Black Theater's most prestigious awards for our mm-hmm. theatrical productions. Um, mm-hmm. Three of those awards were for production of the year um, a credit due to Miguel Aguirre and um, I've won awards for about four four of those awards for productions that I did at the New York and Polish Cafe and so many actors have won these Adelco awards we won the Obie award for for um, um, best theatrical productions of, of the year back in the 90s and then we went to the National Black Theater Festival and and Miguel received the Larry Leon Hamlin Producers Award. And this is a Puerto Rican man who is at the National Black Theater Festival receiving this award. He was so proud of that moment. Mm, mm, mm. Amazing, yeah. I remember when he came down to the Atlanta Arts Festival when we did Jitney back in the day at the, oh, uh, the Lions Theater. Yeah, I we remember doing, that. Uh, yeah, you were there too because I got we some of those West photos. We were doing Wesley Brown's life during wartime then. Yeah. Yeah, even down there. Yeah, amazing. He allowed me and opened up the door for him, for me um, with the help of Rome Neal to present my Jimi Hendrix one man piece there before I went to take it to Amsterdam, Holland back in 1991. Mm-hmm. So I'm just grateful for that uh, for that opportunity. And as we give out a shout out to you know um, leaders and of these great uh, institutions of art, we just want to once again give a shout out to Dr. Mona Scott and her son, Dr. Sean Vaughn Scott. I think Mona told me that she took over the theater from her mom, and and I yeah. just learned that the, the theater has a 59 year history. And I and, and I know she shared with me some of these. Some of the artists that they have celebrated over the years, like Sam Cooke and and all and all of those artists that they've, I think they did a Marvin Gaye, and you know my 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 story don't start don't stop with Jimi Hendrix. Next next mm-hmm. up for me is um uh, Sam Cooke, Otis oh. Redding, and Florence Ballard. You know, ahead, so you, you know, know they Mary all, Wilson would be so happy to hear that. God bless oh, yeah. her soul. You had she would it, yeah. be so happy to hear that. You know, that's my girl. She actually at the 16th anniversary of Banana Pudding Jazz at the New York and Polish Cafe. Who walks mm. in the door from the Cafe Carlisle but Mary Wilson, and she mm. sang my song "Here's to Life" and dedicated oh, to me that night. But mm. she loved Florence Ballard. She would be so, if you ooh. If she was alive and she heard you say that, she would be oh, all over you, brother. And she would probably man. be producing that one. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm serious, Mary. Oh, she just well, they were incredible. Fun. That's an incredible story. 
and they were incredible, mm. all of them, Dinah Ross and Mary Wilson and uh, Florence Ballard. And I, I got the chance to see Florence Ballard, I mean, Mary Wilson, because of you, Rome, had bringing her to one of the Adelco Awards, I believe. Oh, yeah. And I sat next on the, top, the table next to her. I know I wanted to, I, I just wanted to get over there and say something, but she had so many people, I was kind of waiting on my turn. And then my <laughs> wife said, you know, and then my wife said, let's go. And so my turn yeah. ran out. <laughs> and uh but uh but uh you know Florence Ballard uh you know what happened to that sister uh I got to tell that story I just got oh. to tell it mm-hmm. and what Jeez. she fought what she fought against you know because of what happened to her as a teenager and mm-hmm. I won't tell the story now but and she right. fought through that all her life and uh and uh, she made that um rather tragic I think uh, mistake of uh well, she didn't say she made the she 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 doesn't say she made the mistake. Um, I got to do more research. Uh, I believe I hear that you know she was kind of shoved out of that, and um, she never she never gained ground after that. She was an incredible yeah. singer, phenomenal singer. Yeah. Uh, any one of them probably could have been the leads, but obviously yeah. Donna Ross, um, an incredible artist, uh, you know, an incredible survival and uh was propelled to be the lead and uh and obviously she did an incredible credible credible job i can go as on and we, on about it as we I give shout out to, to as, as we give a shout yeah. out to great people i like to give a shout out to oakland's own ishmael reed okay mm. yes ishmael reed you know when you talk about black repertory group that's where it all started for me because a lot of plays that Ishmael wrote in the early days started at the Rep, and then he brought them to New York to the New York and Poets Cafe. So I would always see video footage of the productions that he did at Black Rep, and then I would present the same play with different cast and different direction, of course, at the New York and Poets Cafe. And Ishmael, we have been um, in in the business of doing theater and as um, writer producer for over 30 years and I've, I've directed I think about eight of his plays the last one being The Haunting of Men Manuel Miranda which was um, received three Adelco Awards and was received um, critical acclaim all over the world in reference to the, uh, off the Broadway show Hamilton where Hamilton, um, Lynn Manuel just got the story a, a bit wrong, and Ishmael Reed, being the prolific um, person he is, and the one who investigates and finds out all this wonderful information, told the story right in uh, the haunting of Lynn Manuel Miranda. And um, I've been so very fortunate to to work with him. So many great writers from the New York Post Cafe, through Miguel Algarin, uh, Amiri Baraka, Wesley Brown, Sekou Sundiata. Uh, so um, give an honor to these great writers and great folks that we've all come up through. Um, again, Jerome working with August Wilson, Lord Richardson. Uh, uh, we are who we are because of these people that we've worked with also. You know, it's all part of the, uh, of a, a union of of creative energy that flows from us, that came from them into us and takes us to the level that we are now. Amen. We have to yeah. definitely continue to give shout out to those who 
paved the way for us, without a doubt. No doubt, all of those names that that uh, Rome uh, has added, and I probably named a few myself, Ernie McClintock, and, yes. and uh, you know, all of those who, you know, kind of, uh, you know, gave us the 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 the, the opportunities and and the audacity to have a career in the arts. That's a very very brave decision, <laughs> I'll <have> tell you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's uh, but you know some it's it's a thing that you're called to, and you um and you are you know you um you, you know you almost like you can't do anything else. Um, uh, you know my my I I I just happen to be a um, a Christian minister at a church in Brooklyn, um, which is um which is a, a another calling that God has put on my life, but, um, you know, my, my passion and desire, um, by the grace of God allows me to continue to, um, uh, pursue the calling and the gift of, uh, arts. Hmm. Wow. So folks, I wanted to mention, um, just in case people don't know, uh, Florence Ballard, um, you know that that she was a founding member of the the Supremes, and she she, she died really young too. I was just thinking, you know, um, mm-hmm. how you know people, these artists, these wonderful people um, that you all are are honoring, you know, with your work. You know, a lot of them left here a little bit, you know, what we would say too soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And definitely in that case, you it, it's almost so too too soon for her. Although she was able to get such, um, she was able to ride such accolades of the early Supremes having traveled around the world and everything. But still, look all of what the Supremes were able to do even after her death. And uh, and, and 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 what more she could have done? And she left behind three beautiful little girls who have struggled most of their life to find their grounding. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, so um, you know, um, you know, just an incredible woman. But yes, she was one of the founding members, right there on the um, on the um, steps of the Brewsters Projects in Detroit, Michigan. Um, her and her sister, you know, um, she. she she knew her and Mary knew each other from a um, from a talent show when they were like fifteen and fourteen years old. Um, they first went to more more town and then uh, Bear Gordy, Gordy sent them back. One of the temptations they were the primes at the time. Uh, 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 I think it was uh, Eddie Kendricks took them to uh, Motown and 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 and, um, and Barry said, "No, you're not ready." And they went back and kept singing. There, there was a fourth member of the Supremes. I don't think most people mm-hmm. know that. There were four of them, and uh, and that that sister she eventually dropped out. She wanted to start a family and everything, but uh, Florence and Mary and Diana came in. Diana, um, uh, I think Mary knew Diana, invited Diana in, and uh, but they all knew each other. And then um, I think Diana Ross knew Smokey Robinson, and he he got them that second audition for Motown. And then, um, and then um, Barry Gordy said, "Yeah, you're ready." And uh, and and for four years they were called the No Hits Supremes. Everybody mm-hmm. had hits but them. Marywell had hits, Temptation had hits, Miracles had hits, and they were called the No Hits uh, Supremes. 
until I think Baby Love was the first one, and then it was it was over. Then they, then the whole Motown was built on the foundations of what the Supremes were doing as the number one uh, uh, recording group in the world. I mean, well, just slightly below the Beatles, but uh, they were definitely uh, at at one time neck and neck with the Beatles as being number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. But um, wow. but you know we can go on and on and on about the history of, <laughs> of these uh, incredible musicians and you know we come here today. Uh, you know I, I I'm so grateful that you um, you 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 give us an uh, opportunity to um, to speak about Jimmy. Um, mm-hmm. Phil, please feel free to invite us again. Uh, and I have my next play coming up is Electric Lady. Now that's oh that 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 deals with all the women in Jimi Hendrix's life, and that's October the first, oh, nice. which happens to be the day that uh, Jimmy was buried in Seattle. I did not pick that mm. date just because of wow. that, but mm. um, I have um, there's six incredible actresses. Uh, they're just taking mm. off. I'm just I'm lucky to, that they're still a part of it. One is doing a, a very popular series from HBO. She's in Los Angeles. She's a drum. I'm still in. Uh, my boy mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright is in that one too. I forgot the name of it. But um, and she, um, but they're all an incredible artists. And one brother from San Francisco, Biko Eisen, will be playing know, Jimmy Hendrix. I know Biko. Wow. You know Biko? Yeah, yeah, yeah Biko. I, I know his brother, um, Tongo. He supports Laurent uh, for San Francisco. Mm, okay. He came out with a new yes. book. I was at a um, a writing workshop online last night with Tongo, Eisen, Martin. Wow, oh. Biko. Wow, well, yeah, I'll, I'll come, I'd love to come back and talk about Electric Lady. You got some time. Oh, totally. Biko, <laughs> me and him. Me and him did a we me and him did stick fly together in Philadelphia, and uh, he always mm. just reminded me of uh, he knew a little bit about Jimi Hendrix, and he knew a lot about the the music of that era. And we talked. And he knew a lot about Shakespeare. I've also had the honor of doing a lot of Shakespeare, and mm. uh, and I and I thought about him. I said Biko, and I called the man. He said I'm in. He's from the San Francisco area. He even taught in Berkeley Elementary Schools. I didn't even know that. Mm. I, I think Berkeley High Schools, but I know mm-hmm. uh, he'll be playing Jimi Hendrix with six other women. Most of those women I knew. Only one I think is alive, Rosalie Brooks. She's in Brooklyn. She'll be joining uh, the broadcast on um, the 18th, and I, I'm pretty sure I'll probably invite her back for Electric Lady because her story is a little bit more flushed out. And uh, and so that's the next one that we're doing, Electric Lady, and uh, those women are I'm excited that I mean they they're there with me. They come from all areas. Broadway, mm-hmm. we got uh, Tara Nasha Wallace from uh, Loving Hip Hop New York. She was on that show with Cardi B. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Gabriel Lee, who's uh, you know does a story about a woman out of uh, Harlem. One woman uh, show called Brick Top. Uh, she does a one woman show of that, but she's done other shows as well. Um, you know, and I got so many, uh, Christine Dreyer and Allie, um, uh, Allie, who I did Shakespeare with in, in San Diego. We did Macbeth together. Um, mm-hmm. Just so many. Um, Sophia Coffey Loren is down playing Rosalie. She's an incredible artist from Chicago. She's an incredible blues singer. I, just, I remember I, I just, seeing her in the Jackie Wilson story at the National Black Theater Festival. Yeah, she told me she did yeah. that Jackie Wilson story. Yeah, yeah. she was with that company. 
Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, so I just picked up on her spirit, Roman. I this this sister, I got to work with her. And mm-hmm. so all of these women are phenomenal. So that's next. Biko and these six women. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And you yeah. and you are going to be directing it too. So you. Yes, sir. I'm, you guys are in great company there. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. So I'm there. I have a I have a question. So, um, uh, Electric Lady, did you say October first? October first, yes. Um, okay. It'll be. And, Go ahead. No, no. No, it'll be. Is it also going to be um, virtual as well? It's going to be streamed virtual. online. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Rome is programming that for us. And Rome, would, you know, Rome could fill you in on all the links that you know you would get to it mm-hmm. um, in terms oh, of perfect. being able to see it. So Rome is mm-hmm. a Rome is a part of that. We're blessed that we're blessed to have him as on on that as well. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's amazing how a blessed partnership you know, based on somebody who you respect and trust uh, could come into these stories. And, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. That's October the 1st. It'll be 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Coast Time. And uh, it's, it's women in the lives of Jimi Hendrix Mm -hmm. and the, um, and, and um, the added element of the, the forces of good and evil that pulls at his spirit. Mm, mm-hmm. and, yeah, um, and then oh, and then yeah. there's a third, right? Um, yeah, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy slight return. return. Yeah. yeah, that's the, that's one of the first plays I wrote, and that's where Ron uh, directed me in. And that play, um, that mm-hmm. story pretty much follows Jimmy from his Harlem years to. Um, his last day on earth um, it, it covers a lot of Jimmy uh, In that mm-hmm. um, I Get back to that and do some uh, Rewriting on it And, and get it going up and, As well And that one um, it, It'll more likely be in the winter um, I think okay. when I First spoke about it with Dr. Mona I was thinking about presenting it on the stage Of the Berkeley mm-hmm. Rep um, And uh and, but uh, as I speak with them again, we'll see the, the most appropriate, you know, time uh, to present it. Um, so that's the third one, Jimmy's Slight Return. And mm-hmm. Jimmy Hendrix had a song called Voodoo Child, and then he had a Voodoo Child Slight Return. So I just played off oh. of those words. It's kind of a slight return back to the life of Jimi Hendrix, a slight return back to the music of Jimi Hendrix. And a slight return toward, you know, back to the inspiration of Jimi Hendrix. And um, so Jimmy, slight return, would be the third uh-huh. of the trilogy, what we yeah. call an affinity of Jimmy's, a Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. a tr- a trilogy. And, you know, affinity okay. is, you know, seeing different variations of the same image, you know. Wow. You're really busy. It's a blessing. <laughs> It's a blessing. Without the blessings of, of Dr. Mona and, and her company, Sean Vaughn, and, and, and Rome Neal, I'll be just another brother uh, trying to get on Broadway. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, to get back yeah. on Broadway. <laughs> get back on Broadway. I got a script right here on, in, in, right beside me right now that I'm looking at that I uh, that I yeah. have to prepare for and uh, audition. But, you know, um, 
you know, uh, you know, it, it's a blessing. It, it really is a blessing. Uh, when she came to me about the Jimmy Hendrix plays, and I said, without well, Mona, you know, I'm three times Jimmy Hendrix's weight, and I'm three times his age. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't do Jimmy Hendrix. But I found the way to tell the story third person. I'm not playing Jimi Hendrix. I'm not pretending to be Jimi Hendrix, but I am a voice uh, for Jimi Hendrix in this, um, the, Jim, the Jimi Hendrix experiment, telling the Jimi Well, you, you can definitely tell that you're a voice for Jimi Hendrix through this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Biko, yes. uh, San Francisco's own Biko will be Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix and Electric Lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's going to be nice. Just tell us about some of the people who are going to be in the after t- the talk out, talk back. Yes, the, uh, yes. Thank you, Rome. Thank you, Rome. Thank you, Rome. Thank you, Rome. Rosalie Brooks um, is going to tune in from Los Angeles. Rosalie um, recorded two songs, um, The UT and My Diary with Jimi Hendrix. When he was on tour with Little Richard, 1965, he recorded some music in Los Angeles, the UT and My Diary. She has a, a page that she dedicates to uh, rhythm and blues um, artists, and she has a dedication and, and, a, and an inspiration for Jimi Hendrix as well. And uh, she's a pioneer in terms of uh, what she's done in the music business. She still has her band now, uh, the Rosalie, uh, the Rosalie Blues Band, plays in and around Los Angeles still. Um, I, we have Greg Wright, who works closely with Rosa. Uh, Greg was on Michael Jackson's tour. Um, he also mm-hmm. was on the Eddie Van Halen tour. He's a phenomenal guitarist. He spent a lot of time also in New Orleans. I think you said you were from New Orleans. He spent a lot yeah. of time in that area playing in and around that area. We have Ricky Rouse, an incredible guitar player that I met in Amsterdam on the Jimi Hendrix Black and White Tour when I first took my play over there in 91. And uh, he uh, is the uh, music director for Shaka Khan. He um, um, worked with uh, Tupac. He worked with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. And uh, he tours with George George Clinton. Uh, We have Mike Jones, who's an incredible uh, guitar player who I, I really respect, who does a Jimi Hendrix show. And uh, he's out of Los Angeles. He's incredible. And Jimmy Blue has been so blessed. That the producers are, um, has, he's the, the, the first authentic Jimi Hendrix show. He was a part of the Jimi Hendrix fan club uh, when he was a teenager and had the opportunity to meet Jimi Hendrix. And now he plays left-handed guitar. He's an incredible guitar player. And uh, he's a part of it. He does. He's with Kiss the Sky, and they recreate the whole Jimi Hendrix uh, playlist. They um, they wear the same outfits that Jimi Hendrix wore, or uh, they got three um, where they have the, uh, the the experience. They have the band of Gypsies featuring all three brothers, the three brothers, and then when I say brothers, I mean African Americans of uh, Billy Cox and, and Buddy Miles, and then Jimi Hendrix. And then they have the Sky Church uh, um, part towards the end of his career, so they are dressing in all these clothing, and uh, and they are they are they are um, they are you know they are, they have these producers that have made this possible. Um, Kiss the Sky. He was also on television two years ago, and they had a, a series on I think it's called AXS uh, uh, Channel um, called the World's Greatest Cover Bands. 
and he's a great cover band. He's got that sound down, and he's one of the few people that plays left-handed that I know who plays Jimi Hendrix, um, who has that Jimi Hendrix sound. So those are the those are the oh and Juma Sutan and I, and, and Juma you know skipped my mind because uh, uh, he he just uh, agreed to do it and uh, Juma was on stage with Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock and mm-hmm. he when Jimi Hendrix left Woodstock he was invited to the Dick Cavett show and Juma was with uh, Jimmy on the Dick Cavett show and he was a part of Jimmy's group new group called Gypsies Sons and Rainbows. He's a um, he's a um, percussionist. He lives upstate New York. He's a professor, and uh, I call him an uh, iconic revolutionary because of uh, just his his view of the world and um, and all that he has to give from his incredible wealth of uh, knowledge. And he has he has agreed to join us. And and the thing about it was so blessed about Juma and joining us that the Jimi Hendrix foundation uh jimmy hendrix uh brother leon's daughter has invited him to seattle on the 18th where they're doing a jimmy hendrix um they do they have a they have a uh, an organization they have a school where they inspire young artists children on up to you know about 18 years old and he's going out there to speak to the young artists and do a jimmy hendrix program and his management has uh, worked it into the contract where he'll take out a moment to step aside and join us, and and that's just oh. that's that's just crazy. Rudy Kronfuss, mm-hmm. Rudy Kronfuss, who I met in Amsterdam um, um, from Amsterdam, he is sending over a um, a, vi- uh, uh, um, a video, and uh, and he is going to uh, be joining us as well. Um, through the video that he's going to send, and uh, we are we're just so so grateful that we were able to add those people. Mm, and if it was yeah. an outdoor event, I'd probably be able to add more, you know, or because you know the, um, the 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 platforms can hold but so many people, so we try to uh, bring it into uh, the Zoom platforms and the Streamyard platforms hold but so many people, so we try to condense it to the amount of people that it can hold per broadcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just I'm just floored as the people at the people who have said, "Hey, man, I'm with you," and um, it's just a blessing. I, you know, I think at this, I always say at this point in my life where the Lord has allowed me to present this work, I think at one time it was idol worship, and we can't have no no doubt should have no other God before me, nobody above God in your life. God couldn't God couldn't allow me to do it as I wanted to do it back then. But he allowed me a stronger platform because I truly believe he can trust me with it back then. Um, this is not about idol worship. This is about inspiration. Where none of us are perfect, uh, we all falling short of the glory of God. This is this is a, um, a, a a great phenomenal musician. When I see Jimmy Hendrix's questions on Jeopardy, on Jeopardy, I'm like, wow. When T.D. Jakes, in the middle of one of his conversations, when a guy is asking him, Bishop Jakes, what kind of music do you listen to? He said, well, I listen to the Japanese violinist. I love to listen to her. He said her name. I forgot her name. Um, He says, I drive home from church, and I just, that's what I listen to. Because they're trying to say, you always listen to gospel. And then they're they're still trying to dig. They said, well, 
what you were listening to back in the day, Bishop Jakes. He said, Well, I'm from the I'm from the Jimi Hendrix era. I had the big afro and I had the big poster on the wall. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. And I said, Wow. Wow. You know? Wow. Okay. Come on with it. I mean, you know. And he's saying, I don't I don't listen to that now. But that's what I was listening to. And uh so I mean you know, um, you know, uh, next, there's this this world. God has blessed us with so many uh, incredible artists, you know, that have uh, made it to the mainstream, and even some who may not have made it to the mainstream, who's been an inspiration to somebody's life along the way. Um, and uh, you know, we we become um, we become blessed as a uh, as the uh, as the uh, as a result of it, and um, you know, you asked me a question about why these guitars. I don't know why these guitars keep coming in my coming into my life, but percussions and the guitars uh, are the. I can play I can play percussions better than I can play any instrument. I was a drummer in uh, elementary school. I went to school in um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, and so, uh, but uh, the guitar keeps coming up, and I'm I'm looking at a card on my desk now of an African brother that comes out to the market every Saturday morning in, in a 110th Street and Manhattan Avenue named Akasa. I bought a wonderful, beautiful piece of art from him. As a matter of fact, a friend brought a piece of art from him and gave it to me. And he has a picture of an African woman uh, sitting down with a guitar in her hand. I'm looking at that right now. <laughs> That's his card. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's made out of mud cloth and a few other things, you know. It's it's that kind of art that he has created from mud cloth and a few other African prints. And there she is sitting there with a guitar in her hand. It's uh that guitar keeps keeps coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the string mm-hmm. instruments are the instruments of divine um blessed. You know, um David was a harpist in the Bible. And then you know the words that praise the Lord on the on the on the timbres, uh, you know the the, 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 the I mean it could be the sounds of bells and on the string instruments, you know. So uh, you know it's it's uh, that, that I have to ask myself the the guitars. I haven't come to the answer to that yet, but it, I definitely uh, I'm drawn towards the sound of guitar and, and percussions, probably more than any of them. Right, yeah, and you think about, um, you know, going back to August Wilson and, you know, your love of his work as as an mm-hmm. actor as well as a director um, mm-hmm. and a creative person because you've actually added to, you know, the canon that he started mm-hmm. to tell our story mm-hmm. here in America, um, how he was inspired by music <laughs> and yeah. how, you know, that soundtrack. The blues. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And and then you think about also the visual artists, the arts, that how, you know, uh, August Wilson was an artist, artist as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they, all yeah. those different intersections of, of who we are as a people, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know Jacob Lawrence's work, you know, the mm-hmm. blues, and Romare how Bearden. all of that, Romare Beard, and that's right, yeah, how... Mm-hmm. How that tells our story, and then you think about Romero Beard, and he painted to music, jazz, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the inspiration for piano lesson and so many other 
because he has mm-hmm. a he has a um a piece of art called the piano lesson, and that's what inspired uh, uh August to do the piano lesson. Mm-hmm. And um, August was said in his uh, instructions that how people migrated from the south to the northern cities. He said they came with their Bibles and their guitars. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> the people from the south came with their Bibles and their guitars. You know, obviously their clothing too, uh, the little clothing that they had. But they had their Bibles and their guitars, man. And I, it's just, mm-hmm. just amazing. But I didn't mean to yeah. stop you there. But, you know, August was just uh such a blessing on my life to have been able to work with him, to sit down with mm-hmm. him. I still have books that he signed and gave to me. I still have uh, the letters that he wrote and gave. And he wrote these letters to all the cast. It's not like I'm saying he was singling me out, but he would give us all uh, this particular letter. I remember when his daughter was born, his his, his last daughter, he, I still have it in my book. He he sent that um, to me and Jerome, my trophy. He wrote. He writes August Wilson, and uh, and then for him to write seven guitars, uh, it's it has to be my best play, my favorite play, probably my my favorite. I love Joe Turner's Coming Gone, which was his favorite, and they all look very good, you know. And I've had a, I had the blessed opportunity to do at least six of the seven, and I've directed all ten of them in Augusta, Georgia. So um, um, it's it's been a blessing. Uh, it's it's been a blessing. It's only by the grace of God um, that I'm I'm still alive and still able to be a part of these stories. And um, and I and I thank God. I thank God. I thank God. Could not do it without God. Could not do it without the help of God. The inspiration of God. Um, where it says, "Morning by morning, you mercies we see." You know, I get up in the morning, fall down on my knees, and thank God for another day. Um, and he allows me to have another day to get it right, another day to tell my story, tell tell the story, live, you know, live his story. And uh, mm. so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Yeah, yeah. What a wonderful praise song this morning, you all both are. This is so lovely. Um, I just wanted to add to um, what you shared um, uh, from August Wilson. That's that's really beautiful. Um, you know, bringing their their I don't know what you say suitcases and their guitars. Bibles and um, the guitars. Their Bibles, Bibles and, the guitars. and guitars. Right. Yeah. And I was just thinking that you know you said obviously they brought their clothes, but I'm thinking the guitar and the Bible were more important than the clothes. Because right. you know they were bringing their stories, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and and yeah, yeah, and that was the clothing, you know, to bring yourself, to bring your stories. Because you know they could have left the stories back there, but they brought right. their stories so that we have their stories, and so that we mm-hmm. are inspired. Yeah, how mm-hmm. beautiful! And then I was thinking, you know, with August Wilson and how he really touched us here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, through Stanley um, Williams and Quentin Easter's um, Lorraine Hansberry Theater, August Wilson, um, he, uh, um, he, you know, he a lot of times he brought the plays. Like, um, uh, I was I'm trying to think, uh, was it two trains? Two trains, yeah. yeah, two trains. Um, they workshopped it here, and okay. um, and I remember when Seven Guitars before. 
um, it was went to Broadway, how it was here, and they were they had script in hand <laughs> at ACC, right. and um, and and that particular story of you know um, sort of honoring a person who passed on, and yeah, that's a that's a really 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 phenomenal um, seven guitars. I mean, I love all of his work. But seven mm-hmm. guitars and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the Ma Rainey's mm-hmm. Black Bottom. <laughs> yeah, and and I love what um, Denzel Washington is doing around you know bringing the work into another another um, medium mm-hmm. for people who Film. don't do stage, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And now we have this COVID nineteen, the pandemic continues. Um, it's just another way to reach more audiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering tomorrow, um, Rome, is your um is your uh celebration going to be virtual as well as um uh you know, live in the space? Yeah, it will be virtual also. You can go to newyourweekend dot org and um pick up the link for that. That's New Yurican N U Y O R I C A N dot org. Again, N U Y O R I C A N dot org. And, and what you can time pick again? Up the link. It's at, well, it's 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, wow. Thank you. Thank you for this interview. Uh, well, <laughs> We've been more talking so than for interview two hours. This is like so conversation. cool. <laughs> this is a wonderful conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's been really awesome. And um, and Jerome, where where is your church uh, in Brooklyn? Can people attend, um, or do you are you doing virtual services? Oh, okay. And it's, uh, I can I can give a I can give a shout out. Um, I'm at okay. uh, uh, New Genesis Christian Center in Brooklyn, New York, 224 Shepherd Avenue. Uh, Pastor Dr. Judy Brown, Bishop Dr. Pedro Jones. And on Sunday mornings um, um, at 11.30 a.m., you can go to Judy Brown Ministries, or you can go to on Facebook, or you can go to um, Google and type in Judy Brown Ministries, and it will take you to the service at 11.30 um, a.m. We've been uh, rotating uh, one week in the church, one week online, because still we are in the midst of covid and so, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it, uh, people think, some people may think it's over, but it's not over. And, and the winter is coming back to the East Coast. So, um, you know, but uh, 1130 on Sunday, um, you can go to Judy Brown Ministries, either Google and scroll down to today's service, or you can get it through Facebook. And once you press the like button, it will give you, um, uh, it will give you a um, notification each Sunday that it's on. And, okay. Um, yeah, that's that's the information. Thank you for asking, and um, and God sure. willing, um, you tune in from time to time. Appreciate it. So, is this is this Sunday one of those um, um, virtual ones, or is it in person? Oh, it'll be virtual and in person. I mean, we'll oh, be in okay. church. You know, we'll be in church this Sunday. Next week we may not, but it would always be virtual. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. Yeah, it'll be. And when we're not in church, it'll be virtual, probably from the pastor's desk, sometimes from the sanctuary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay. uh, so we rotate, you know. Yeah. 
oh, but oh, it's always oh. it's always virtual. We, we're just in church every other Sunday, but it's always virtual. You can always see it virtual every Sunday. Yeah. Okay, super. And and I wanted to ask you um, as as you were speaking, I was grabbing songs, <laughs> Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix songs. And so right now I have Angel, uh, Earth Blues Live, uh, Have You Ever Been, uh, Machine Gun. I already have that one. Um, Purple Haze, mm-hmm. I already have that one. The Wind Cries Mary, I just liked it because of Hurricane mm-hmm. Ida the wind. Okay. Uh, and then Voodoo mm-hmm. Chow, I like that one because I'm from New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. So I was oh, yeah. wondering um, if 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 you had a, a preference for any particular song to close out this really wonderful conversation, and then I'm going to play some more <laughs> to sort of, con- you know, until the oh. end of... Uh, before you say that, Why don't you Wanda, play uh, Electric Lady? Wanda, before you say that, what? Uh, okay, you're into the Orishas, right, Wanda? Uh, I say it again. Hmm? Are you into the Orishas? Oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah. What is your yeah, head? Ifa. Ifa. Oh, okay, you're, <laughs> you're talking about the wind and hurricanes and things. I'm just wondering what what the head. Oh, oh, you you were thinking about oh yeah. Um. <laughs> I was thinking about oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. Um, I um I I really like cemeteries, you know, because I'm from New Orleans, so you know, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but right now I've sort of been um really hanging out a lot with Oshun. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. everyone, um, you know, honors, you know, the great mother, uh, Yemenja, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then and then Abatala, the white white cloth, um, and then Ashu. I just love the trickster, like you know, like yes. choice. <laughs> and then I want to scramble that too. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then I have a really good friend who was a child of Shango. Um, who who made his transition? Um, Bill Jones, William Jones, Bill. who you might know, um, out of Brooklyn, he did a lot of good work. Um, he uh, was one of the uh, folks that put on the um, uh, the commemoration for African ancestors um, in in uh, in Coney Island out of um, mm, Megar mm. Evers College. Um, right. I think thirty mm. some years now they've been bringing it for the ancestors uh, in mm. the summer uh, in June. So, um, mm-hmm. so I don't have a one deity answer for that question. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. that's interesting uh, because uh, years ago Jerome did a was in a production of Shango. Right? Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Rome. Rome did one after uh, he did one later, but I was in one in the early nineteen uh, eighty. I know I knew nothing about Orishas. I didn't really know anything about. Caribbean culture, I mean, I know that's a little different from the, the African culture in the Santa Lea, uh, from, you know, from Cuba, but the Orishas, I didn't know anything about that, and I was cast, actually, I was cast as kind of like a, a spirit chuckle, uh, a chuckler, like somebody who may laugh in the background, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I kept coming to the rehearsals from Jersey, <laughs> and guys were dropping out, and they weren't coming to rehearsals, so since they weren't there, I kept being bumped up. So I uh, end up playing Shango and Shango de Ima. And I would go mm-hmm. to Bimbe's. I would be invited to Bimbe's. Mm-hmm. I remember going nice. to uh, I remember going to a um to 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 to, to uh, the New York Metropolitan Museum to because there was a woman there who was a kind of a priestess and they wanted me to speak to her and I went and spoke to her. 
she recommended me to the the famed bookstore where Malcolm X used to um, stand and, and deliver speeches at 125th Street in Lenox. And she recommended me to go there um, to the guy that ran the store, and he gave me a little history. I went to some bimbes, like I say, in Spanish Harlem. And I was trying to take it all in because I'm going I'm to play this Shango. I got to know who he is. And uh, so I, I learned uh, Shango and Obatala and Yemaya and Oshun and Ilegba. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I knew all of those uh, characters and, uh, and, and embraced it uh, at that time. Haven't, haven't really revisited e- even since, but I, you know, I, 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 you know, that was a character at the time for me. And I, and I, and I, and I do respect uh, those that I come in contact with who have the beads. And I can tell sometimes when I see bead, people with red and white beads and I know that's Shango, I say, oh, mm-hmm. you are, you, you know, you, <laughs> that's your Risha Shango? He said, yeah, man, how you know that? <laughs> and then I'll see the sisters with the blue and, and I'll see the sisters with the blue and white beads and I say, Oh Obatala, yeah, Obatala, what are you you know, so and so uh so I, I, I had to I had to embrace all that history. And the beautiful mm-hmm. thing is about I guess about ten years later Rome brought it back. Um he brought his his version of it and uh it was just I saw that version too. And uh, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Still an incredible story. We were so blessed with that show. Uh, I've been really blessed with that show because when we did it, we were, we received major reviews from the New York Times, the New York Post, mm-hmm. Daily News. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, We were nominated for 11 Adelco Awards at the mm-hmm. Apollo Theater. I remember that night. And we won all 11 Adelco Awards mm-hmm. for the show. Yeah. Uh, we were told to come to the new school to perform, and then we were told to come right back in, uh, a couple of weeks later to perform for another 600-seat theater there. And, uh, again, we went to the National Black Theater Festival in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And when you got a cast of, of uh, about 20 people with Shango, you bring a certain spirit to 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 a festival like the National Black Theater Festival. It was such a wonderful spirit that Larry Leon Hamlin, the the founder of the festival, um, he just hung out with us at the, the last day of the festival. And it was just a, a miraculous um, production that we did because the Arishas really blessed us for telling their stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, so blessed with you, Jerome, to, to be Shango, you know. That's yeah. a powerful God there. Yeah, man. I, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, hey, like I said, I didn't know anything about it. And I just researched and researched and, and obviously found out a lot about it. And, uh, and, uh, I was going to say the drummer that you would know. Who's that drummer? He was such a, oh, I, I won't even go into that. Was it Chief uh, Bay? Chief Bay, Chief Bay, yeah. We had yeah, all he won, these, he won for a, a musical director of our show. Yeah, yeah, mm. Chief Bay, yeah, yeah. So we had all those guys on board. Um, what was that guy in Harlem, the African Godfather of Dance? Uh, 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 Denny Zulu? Was it Denny? No, it was another brother. Chuck but that's Davis? all right. We got, I, we'll, we, I, I'll start rambling. Oh, I forgot his name, Chuck but. Uh, but he was uh, the big godfather of, of African dance in Harlem at the time. But anyway, I was able to, um, and that's when I met a lot of my um, uh, my brothers and sisters from the Caribbean. I think that mm-hmm. entire audience was, I mean, a group of, uh, you know, um, um, actors were from the Caribbean. And that's when I really discovered Caribbean culture. 
working around uh, those brothers from uh, Trinidad and Jamaica and St. Martin. Was Donald Lee Taylor in that production? Yeah, Donald Lee Taylor was Ogun. Oh, right. Ooh, Ogun. I love Ogun. Yeah. <laughs> God of That's iron. It. Yeah. Iron. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just think about, you know, our, the shackles, you know, um, that, you know, they put on our ancestors, you know. Ogun mm-hmm. was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, I think about that green uh-huh. and blue color, you know, Ogun. Mm-hmm. I can see, I can see our, our great active. What's uh, um, um, our great actor who played Ogun in my production? Uh, mm-hmm. Robert, right? No, not Robert. No, Robert, played. Robert was a leg bar. No, Robert was uh, Iku. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah, 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 but um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, um, you know, you know, you know. By the grace of God, I've had such an opportunity to do so many Ed Sewer, things. Ed Sewer, Ed Sewer, was Ed Sewer. Oh, Ed Sewer was okay. Yeah, yeah. Was was he in your production also? Yeah, he was in my production. Um, oh. who did he play in your production? Yeah, he was Ogun in in my production. Okay, he may have been. Um, no, Donald was Ogun. Okay, yeah, yeah. And and um and and Ed was I forgot who Ed was. Uh, he may have been Alekba. May have been Alekba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in our production. Yeah, Ed Sewer, the great Ed Sewer, Donald Lee Taylor. Bless their hearts. Yeah. They're no longer with oh, us. Oh man. Bernie McClintock no longer with us. Ron McIntyre no longer with us. Um, mm. you know, but uh, they were able to. Tell that Shango Diima by Pepe, Pepe, Pepe Carrillo. Uh, Carrillo. Originally produced at the um, 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 Joseph Papp's New York Shakespeare Festival. Well, maybe not originally, but not it originally, had a staging yeah. there. Yeah. And um, that's stories like that are, are, are due to come back around, Rome. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, yeah. we had sold, house, sold out houses for that production. Oh yeah, mm. man, that's a that's yeah. a blessing. Was was it a um you know the the story um Shango Diima was it um new for um for the theaters for the community to be able to have this story told uh, of this um this great king who became a god? Mm. What what do you say? Was it new? Yeah, was it new? Like like you know sometimes you know. Mm people haven't seen on stage this kind of story mm-hmm. before and I'm wondering like was this one of those those pieces that this well, I'll start with the um I saw with the the, the uh, with the, the Harlem version was um uh, rather rather new but at the same time it was a it was a familiarity. I think there was a group of people like, Yeah, by time, you know? That's and right. Then, yeah. but there's a whole and, community out there that Yeah. Actually you when you set as a performer you realize that there's a whole community out there that that just happened to come to the show, and those are the ones that pack the house. You know, if you if you weren't into the Orishas, maybe you'll skip it. But there was that community that really came in, and they really supported Shango Dima. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it was so it was new in that respect, particularly for me. No, go ahead. I'm sure. For, no, I was wondering, is it published so people who might be interested in in reading it, um, 
since this was a minute ago that that you know it was um staged you know these two productions that you all are speaking about um for those that are interested um Jungle the Ema by Pepe Carrillo, C-A-R-R-I-L-L, Pepe, P-E-P-E. And I guess they would have to go online to kind of get a um, copy of that. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 And um, I've seen, there have been others, uh, I, I, I haven't had a chance. I think there was there was a, uh, that was a production of a play called Oshun, wasn't it, Rome? Yeah, David David Wright did the production right, yeah. of Oshun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so they, they pop up. Well, David Wright wrote it. Uh, we did the production, the oh, first wow. production of it. At the, at the, I directed it, and we did the first, first production at the New Year weekend. Mm. Mm. So there yeah. you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now back to Jimmy and the music that you're going to play. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was right. uh, Miss. Boy, we did around the world. <laughs> Your name again, Miss? I'm sorry. Uh, Wanda. Wanda. Miss <laughs> Wanda, thank you so. First of all, thank you so much. Um, as I as I uh, give you the music that I would prefer you play, but if you yes. can't find that, any music would be fine. But thank you, mm-hmm. thank you so much for what you've given us today, the opportunity to speak. Um, Thank you for your generosity of spirit. Thank you for inviting us to this platform. I would say may God bless and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he bless you. May he order your footsteps. May he pour into your studio and to your gifts. For you will, your gifts will, will be greater towards the rest of your life than they were in the latter part of your life. You are going to begin to see an incredible move of God in your life as he opens up the doors for all that you wanted to do. And I get a feeling that all that you do is not necessarily for yourself, but what you want to give to your community. And God is going to open up those doors so you can have the channels to give to your community. And because of your heart of humility and your dedication, he's also going to bless you and crown you with your heart's desire. That I wish for you. And uh, I would love for you to play Electric Ladyland if you can find that on your rotation. Electric Lady Lynn. And since, if you can't find that, and since you like The Wind Cries Mary, that would be a great second if you can't find Electric Lady Lynn. My play, uh, Electric Ladies, is inspired by the song Electric Lady Lynn. Okay. Well, I'll I'll look for Electric Lady Lynn and. uh, And this is for you, too. This is for you, too. By the Suwayo. Obode alawana mama keni yawoe Badesuwayo Omone alawana mama keni yawoe Obadesuwayo Ekeye Eshuo dada Omone alawana mama keni yawoe Let's open up the crossroads for you. Mm-hmm. 
when we get back together on Monday, um, or you know, we'll we'll figure that out. I I, I you know I could very well uh, do it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, because he's you know he's at these performs you know he's he's got all the answers and uh, he's you know put <laughs> and he knows these folks so that'd be great. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. Yeah, yeah. You, who you've come who who he has conversated with before, which is wonderful. So it yeah. continues. So that's that's the way it'll go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have a well, um I do have an assistant that works with me, uh, Latrissa. Um and she could possibly do it too, but I think between me and her and I'll speak to Rome and you know, if Rome have any input, we'll 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 you know, we'll find it. We just haven't defined it yet. Mhm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and are you looking for the whole family to come out and 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 participate in this wonderful story um, of um, you know this phenomenal human being, you know Jimi Hendrix? That's a, looking for people that's, all over the well, the family definitely, but people all over the world. Actually, Jerome has had folks from um, Europe who's been reaching out to him about this production already. So. So we're so glad we're doing it on on streaming online so we can reach an international market with this also. Yeah. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but I was just wondering your, your target audience. Um, is it grown people? Is it everybody? Um, is it, you know, teen up? Like, who's your target? You know, our target is, once again, all people. I think mm-hmm. what's going to be our immediate uh, interest is uh, people of that era, and then uh, probably our biggest will be fan base. And the Jimi Hendrix fan base is uh, from young people that are just just discovering him to people that uh, have been playing his music for years. And then we'll have the theatrical community that uh, mm-hmm. that would be interested in our stories. Um, and Rome has a a, a, a great jazz uh, base um, that will probably um, will probably draw from some of that, those as well. Um, and uh, but we're targeting um, all cultures, all races, all ages um, because uh, I think this story this story um, has something to say um, to everybody, and uh, it's essentially. It's an actor's journey through the legend, the life, and the divine lineage of Jimi Hendrix. And uh, and like I said, I take it up to the to the point of Monterey Pop Festival where the door is open for him. And uh, I didn't intend to have a part two, but it lends itself to uh, what really happened after Jimi Hendrix became a star. And uh, his unfortunately untimely death uh, at, in 20, uh, at 27 years old. Yeah. Uh, right. So. Uh, okay. well, cool. We can we yeah. can see his uh, images in Prince uh, and Lenny Kravitz as mm-hmm. being, but then but then in so many 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 more um, artists and guitarists uh, who have been in, you know inspired by him. Uh, I think Janelle Monet and just so many people uh, who, uh, you know, gives uh, who respect his music, you know, respect his music. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so, 
Well, you, well, you all, yeah. Well, you both have been so generous um, this morning, and again, this was a real gosh. I'm so happy that you know um, the space was open for us to be able to have this this conversation. It's been really, really marvelous. Thank you both Amen. so much. Amen. <laughs> um, we're so grateful. Once again, and uh, God willing, we can go to your archives and probably listen to it one day. Oh, yeah, certainly, certainly. I sent you the link already yesterday, and I'll send it to you again. Oh, okay, great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You all take good care. Thank you so much for the for the blessings and the prayers. I appreciate it. You're so okay. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I'm going to stand by and you're listen welcome. to the music. <laughs> Again, um, we were speaking to Jerome Preston Bates and um, and Rome Neal about the Jimi Hendrix experiment, um, which is going to be, gosh, um, produced and airing next week, September 18th, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Virtually in YouTube, you can go to uh, Rome Neal's uh, website for a direct link. You can also click on the link here in the description. 
We had a wonderful conversation, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to continue with a little more of um, Jimi Hendrix's music. We're going to play The Wind Cries Mary now. After all the checks are in the boxes And the clowns have all gone to bed You can hear happiness staggering on down the street Footprints dressed in red didn't know that Jimi Hendrix had a song called Angel, and I am really partial to angels. <laughs> so I'm going to play Angel next, and then I think we're going to close out with Voodoo Chow, maybe uh, Earth Blues Live, because I don't know that one either. I'm not a Jimi Hendrix expert, 
or authority. But anyway, I'm just really enjoying, you know, sort of learning about his life and his work and his artistry. So I'm going to play Angel next. Tomorrow 
flying my sweet little angel.
New Year, first of all. Uh, well, we have about a million or two million more of them. If we can get over this summer. Yeah, yeah. So I have to dedicate this one to uh, such a draggy scene that's going on. All the soldiers that are fighting in Chicago and Milwaukee and New York. Oh, yes, and all the soldiers fighting in Vietnam. I have to do a thing called Machine Gun.
that's what we don't want to hear anymore, right? No bullets. No bullets, no bombs, something we don't want to hear anymore. Uh, Jerome, you're still with us. Do you have any last words? Well, want to remind everyone that uh, Jerome Preston Bates is... Uh, Along with director Rome Neal, um, our, uh, who is um, directing this wonderful work that Jerome wrote, The Jimi Hendrix Experiment. And uh, again, it's a free virtual production um, produced by Black Repertory Group Theater in Berkeley in its 59th year, 57th season, um, followed by this really phenomenal conversation that. Um, Jerome told us about this morning It's going to be Saturday, September 18th 8 p.m. Eastern Time 5 p.m. Pacific Time Again, 5 p.m. Pacific Time It's going to be a really, really wonderful production And uh, there is um, a link to the uh, the streaming event um, Here at on this uh, description for today's show and it's also at the website for Rome Neal, R-O-M-E-N-E-A-L. And I believe uh, there's going to be a link at Black Repertory Group Theater um, in Berkeley. But uh, when I looked yesterday, there wasn't a link yet. So, again, um, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, so, again, uh, 5 o'clock next Saturday, September 18th. 2021 and um, I wanted to close with Machine Gun um, to honor those uh, who um, are serving uh, in the military for those who um, have um, been their lives have been tragically taken by the domestic uh, warfare that happens on the streets uh, in, in our country daily and um thinking also about police violence. Too many of our, our people have lost their lives to police violence. Thinking about the folks that are in Afghanistan, um, thinking about the veterans of the Vietnam War whom um Jimi Hendrix referenced. Um and uh yeah, no more guns, no more bombs, no more bullets. That would be that's a great, great call. And, and one day, you know, we'll be using our words um, more than um, uh, projectiles that take life uh, indiscriminately. Uh, war is so anonymous. So everyone, take good care. Ashe to the ancestors, and may you all be well. Look forward to having you join us for another edition of Wanda's Picks next Wednesday. Peace and blessings, everybody. <laughs>